Hello, and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and well-being? My name is Brian Crook, and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace well-being thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees, and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe, and well workplaces of the future. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Work Well podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with AJ Products, who are leading the way in ergonomic and active workplace furniture solutions at ajproducts.ie. And that intro is particularly fitting today as uh, on the Workwell podcast, I'm delighted to welcome the Managing Director of AJ Products, Paul Tynan, onto the show. So Paul has been at the helm of AJ Products since 2007 and has overseen their growth and development to become one of the top suppliers of ergonomic office furniture for companies all over Ireland. Paul has extensive experience in the fast-moving consumer goods and B2B sectors, and he was also an early pioneer in Ireland's booming craft beer industry, and that's something we touch on during our conversation. We also cover lots more, including the work environment of the future, the Scandinavian approach to work and to life, which I find particularly interesting, and branding as well. So sit back in your ergonomic chair and enjoy my conversation with Paul Tynan. Paul, hello and welcome to the WorkWell podcast. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to have you on, Paul. So tell us, how are you? Pretty well. It's been a tough couple of years for us commercially, you know, peaks and valleys and so on, but it's been the same for everyone, both socially and commercially in, in this part of the world. So, but we've come through it where we're heading in the right direction again. But it's been tough. It's been tough for everybody. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And especially you're, so you're, the, you're the MD of, of AJ Products. If I'm not mistaken, you would have been effectively like a B2B business. Certainly mm. pre-pandemic, that would have been the case. So yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine, you know, all the workplaces shutting down in, in March 20. That can't have been good. No, it was a shock to everybody, whether you're B2B or B2C. But as you allude to, we are a, as close to a pure B2B model as you can get. And certainly pre-COVID, I would have said that uh, 95% of our turnover was strictly and purely B2B. And that's how we were set up going into March 2020. So it was a shock for us and we had to adapt quickly to try and take advantage of this new emergence of remote working and the need to service that market with whether it be with products or well-being services. And of course, for us, because we are we operate in um, office conference and warehouse sector. Sure. And given that, you know, the good news, we're kind of we're returning to workplaces. What will you focus on or will you, will you have that kind of dual operation now? Will it be B2B plus the B2C element? Will, will that stay, do you think, kind of the, the home offices? Yeah, well, the whole hybrid approach to workspace and what is the workplace and, and so on, it's still evolving. 
there's a uh, a lot of research has been done for obvious reasons, but I follow Boston Consulting Group because they do good research in the US and in the UK primarily. And I think they tend to be trendsetters in that sense, although we would be on a par with them now. And some of the work they've done has been very interesting because the research is extensive. So the data is reliable or as reliable as you can get. And what we can see is that, you know, about 67% of employees, colleagues would like the option of a hybrid option in terms of working in the office or what was known as the office or working at a combination of both. And 33% are still would prefer to be based in the what was known as the traditional office space. So within that, we see opportunities across the board for our assortment because our solutions and our products will offer will work well both at home or remote, maybe in a pod or in the traditional office. I think the office, as we know, it has changed. I think it's going to be less traditional with banks of desks and banks of chairs, the sort of call center, although call centers will continue to exist. But I think it's more of an open space scenario where people can move around, interact, and with digitization uh, moving ahead as it is, you know, large tranches of businesses could now work remotely and effectively without losing productivity and without damaging the social aspect and the collaborative aspect of being in an office or being in a group scenario. And these are all dynamics that we have to watch from a wellness point of view, but also from balancing performance and well-being, which, you know, ergonomics uh, as we know it is all about ergonomics is not just getting a nice chair that supports your lower back and your neck or a standing desk that um, gives you more movement and has very well documented benefits now in terms of calorie even blood sugar situations so we have a range of assortments that work for all scenarios and not just in the warehouse we are very strong in terms of industrial ergonomics we sell a lot of industrial lift tables and stackers and so on manual for manual work, for picking and packing, to make sure that the environment is safe and so on. And bring us up to speed there. So you mentioned the term ergonomic, and we're hearing an awful lot of that. We probably all have our own ideas on what ergonomic means. Kind of bring everyone up to speed. But what is effectively, what is essentially ergonomic furniture? Ergonomics is a science now, you know. It has been around for about 50 years. And effectively, it's the process of balancing performance and well-being in the workplace, you know, with the use of products and systems and environmental scenarios. I mean, it's not just physical, you know, with regard to biomechanics, how you sit and how you move, how you stand. But there's also key aspects of ergonomics in the environmental aspect of things. You know, what is the environment that you're working in? What is the layout? How do you access? How do you move around? What's the quality of the air? And so on. And then there's the psychological in terms of sociability, well-being, you know, mind and body exercises, meditation, and the, the myriad of dynamics there. So it's not just the physical biomechanical aspect of a good chair or a good desk. Although it is true to say that our sales of standing desks are now at a level of five times of our normal static desks. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And six years ago, it was... We sold very few standing desks, very few Pilates balls and desk bikes and things like that. But now standing desks are almost the norm for the reasons we've just been discussing. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of standing desks myself. I'm actually doing recording this from my, my modular single column base desk here at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of that, of the standing desk. But I, I hear what you're saying. It's, it's really about the, 
the, the work environment, the office layout will change. It'll be interesting to see how it does change. But yeah, it won't be this idea of desk after desk, kind of people cramped on one another. There'll think be a lot more kind of open spaces. You say the collaborative spaces, they'll be maximized. And that mix, it'll be really interesting to see how companies settle down now into this hybrid working model. What I'm hearing, I think what the smart companies are doing, they're using the next year essentially as a trial to see what works and what doesn't, rather than dictating this is exactly how we're going to do things from now on. It's almost like a yeah. one-year trial to see how things settle down and then plan accordingly around that. Well, yeah, it's the whole situation is fluid, I would say. You know, about a third of all people working remotely over the past 18 months, they believe they're less productive and less happy, if you will. They miss the collaborative, they miss the social aspect of work. So that's a third of those people that have been working remotely. Two-thirds of those people that have been working remotely feel that they're more productive. With digitization, those productivity figures will be you know, trackable and analyzable, if you will, for, for companies and for groups over time. But the fact that one-third of all people working remotely report that they're not too comfortable with it is the key driver in what you what you refer to in terms of trial and see what the right uh, approach is. Because the employer needs to be more sensitive, more supportive of the colleague and of the employee going forward. And again, not just referring to do they have a proper desk and a good lumbar support chair, but it, it goes all the way through physical, environmental and you know, mind and body well-being. And so the, the whole equation is still evolving. Very good. It sounds like you're almost kind of hinting at the, I don't know if you come across it, the well workplace standard. Yeah. Uh, Started out life initially, well, version 1.0 was effectively it was a, almost a healthy building standard, but it was about air quality, noise pollution, this kind of idea. But version 2.0 now, they're, they're extending it. They're including kind of the well-being elements. Is the building set up to support physical activity and movement? This kind of idea. So I think that's it's, with the ergonomic furniture, is, is, it plays a big role in that. But there's it's the whole environment piece, really, isn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. So the ergonomic furniture would be the physical or the biomechanical end of it. But I think that's, you know, one third or 30 percent of the overall equation. And with remote working and the implications, which we don't fully understand, but I've alluded to some of this, the research that's been done, the jury's out. I think that more people will actually go back and stop working remotely. Um, and I think it could end up being like a 50-50 split, but we don't know. But I don't think we should underestimate the mental issues of working remotely, probably on your own, in your own room over a long period of time. I think people will miss the social aspect of work. Also be feeling dislocated from decisions, promotions, projects and so on. So I think it's far from over in that regard. And that's why we track all the good research that's out there, just to be aware of the trends and also then to make sure that we have solutions. Very good. Yeah, no, I was only talking to, uh, to Chris Flack of Unplug about this yesterday. As you say, it's, still, it's very much fluid. We, we're still waiting to see what happens. It might feel like we're, you know, we're coming out the other side, but I think the actual office, the workplace, we really won't settle down into how things are going to work for at least another year. Yeah. Even the, those statistics you're calling out, the people that are saying they'd prefer to move back into the workplace or they prefer to work remotely. I think until they're actually doing that and they have the option on the table, they, they probably won't, don't even realize themselves fully what, what they want. I agree 100%. But the other underpinning all of this discussion is the fact that the office environment, the office scenario, the office dynamic was changing anyway, long before COVID. 
And COVID has just been a catalyst for acceleration, if you will. So this is nothing new, but it has been brought into huge focus, if you will, due to the shutdown and the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. So AJ Parent, of course, is a Swedish organization. And if I'm not mistaken, so it was the Scandinavians were one of the first to introduce this idea of, of standing desks and this uh, maybe the ergonomic culture, if you like, in the workplace. Are you seeing any, any interesting trends emerging from Sweden of late in terms of this kind of ergonomic design? Or is it more the same or, or any kind of interesting trends? Well, you know, the Swedes are a very logical, deep thinking group, and they tend to be at the vanguard of these sort of situations in terms of work-life balance. They have their priorities well aligned, and that applies to the Danes, the Swedes, the Norwegians, and the Finns. They're very much at the vanguard of all of this. So in that sense, we've benefited tremendously from this. But yeah, in terms of innovation and newness, I think in terms of you know simple things like new onboarding new employees and so on, they've been doing that for many years, long before it became in vogue with some of the FDI companies that we see, uh, of course, in Ireland. But as I said earlier on, the move to open workspace, to to hotspots, to you know parental leave, to remote working, they're very much at the vanguard, as I say, and the innovators in that area. And I would think will continue to be so. Because the other thing to say about the Scandinavians is. And we benefit from this because, you know, our DNA is Scandinavian, although we've been in Ireland for over 20 years, is that they have very successful economies. I mean, Sweden is not much, in population terms, not much bigger than Ireland. But if you look at the global brands they have, AstraZeneca, Volvo, SAP, just to mention very, very few. IKEA, well, of course. So, you know, that's great for us as a satellite business under the AJ Group Sweden umbrella. So it's, it's a tremendous asset for us as a small company operating in the B2B sector in Ireland. Absolutely. Yeah. And I imagine I mean, you're in close contact with the guys in Sweden. Are they going through the same kind of challenges in terms of the, the hybrid working model, the, re- the return to workplaces at the moment? Yeah, the same challenges and hurdles and dynamics uh, exist across Europe. I just think they are more open and have been more open systematically, if you will to being innovative, being flexible, understanding not just lip service, but in real terms, that a happy colleague or a happy employee invariably is a more productive asset, if you will. And, you know, the data supports all of this. It's a good point you make, famous for for these kind of more open policies, flexible policies, and the happiness side of things. But as you say, the economies do pretty well as well. It's not like economies struggle as a result or anything like that. I don't think there's any coincidence that they have cultural well-being within the population. And yet, all those countries that I just mentioned are very, very strong economies by any metric care to use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we benefit in many respects from that. And uh, so, Paul, you, you've, you've got quite an entrepreneurial background yourself. You, you've been at the helm of, of AJ for since 2007, I believe. How did you find yourself uh, taking on the, the MD role of, of AJ Products? Like a lot of things in life, it was unplanned. It was by accident. <laughs> yeah, my background is brand building, FMCG, fast-moving consumer goods. I had to Google that beforehand, yeah. For yeah, you. sorry. So it's drinks, it's food, it's electrical products, you know, Nielsen, all of that sort of stuff. So that's my background. That's my inherent strength, I, I guess. So how did I end up getting involved with a very small embryonic company in the B2B sector? I had sold my brewing business, the Irish Brewing Company, in 1996. And then I went into some business consulting and I was approached by the Swedish Trade Council, of all people. I don't know how they came across me, but they did. 
to do a kind of an evaluation and audit, you know, top to bottom of their subsidiary in, in Ireland. And it, had, it happened to be AJ Products at that stage. We were, we were based in Park West in Dublin. After the consulting project was over, I was approached again afterwards to see I would be interested in, you know, taking the business forward. And that's really how I got involved with AJ Products and in B2B as opposed to B2C. So you audited them and then soon after you took over. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan. Yeah. I, I mean, I've started and run my own businesses. I've worked for multinationals. I've, and then, I, you know, AJ Ireland was another, a completely different opportunity. And at that stage, I didn't want to go back into FMCG brands. My brand management days were over. I was more interested in building businesses. And of course, marketing and brands are the, the cornerstone to that. So I liked what they were doing in Scandinavia. AJ Ireland was an abject failure at that stage, and I thought it would be an interesting challenge, and I worked out a deal with them. And so since then, we've been building the business brick by brick, block by block. And now it's, it's a successful business, but it's not a big business in that sense. But sometimes being small, nimble, flexible, and so on gives you an advantage competitively. Sure, yeah, yeah. But we're, we're really focused on building the brand now because we think we have the the proposition, the offering, fairly well-tuned. And now we're, we're focusing on building the business, you know, with exponential growth. Hey, everyone. A really quick note to tell you about our online learning hub, the WorkWell Institute. If you're enjoying the episode today and are interested in learning more about well-being and work, then check out the courses we have on offer at workwellinstitute.org. You'll find programs for you and your colleagues on managing stress, how to boost energy, well-being champion training, and our flagship program for well-being leaders called Developing a Workplace Wellness Program That Lasts. There's a free preview available for all of the courses at workwellinstitute.org. Now, back to our conversation. Excellent. Yeah. And just before we come to brand, because you, you mentioned it there and I, I saw it on your profile, but I, so I can't let this one slip by the, the Irish Brewing Company. Yeah. And you sold in 96. Were you one of these uh, trendsetters of craft yeah. beer before yeah. it was even called craft beer? Yeah. Well, we were the first, the Irish Brewing Company was the first shipping brewery. A shipping brewery is a brewery that brews beer and sells it to bars and restaurants and wholesalers as opposed to a brew pub. And there's been a lot of brew pubs, as you know, open. but we were the first shipping brewery to open in Ireland in about 60 years at that time. Yeah. But we were about 10, 15 years ahead of the current trend that we all see that every town in Ireland has, is, you know, its own brewery. But, you know, so in that sense, we were innovative and a little bit perhaps early. But yeah, we did some good work, but I think we were a bit ahead of our time in that respect. But we built a little brand and we, you know, the Irish Brewing Company is a good name, but that was exciting and interesting. That's ancient history now, I'm afraid. Were there any brands that we know of or was it? Was it no, what? the brands are gone now, but the first brand was Brew Number One and it was the only brand and it was a lager with flavor. And there's a, there's a brand out there in the marketplace now that's fairly similar to our imprint. <laughs> Both in terms of the name, the packaging, and the folklore that it attaches to it. Yeah, the process, you know, the proposition, they talk about lager with flavor. That's what we were talking about. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so. Very good. Now, that, that has really kicked off, hasn't it? That that industry like that. Is, yeah, is it probably yeah, it has. Too many brew, microbreweries out there to survive, really, I would say. Yeah, actually, it's ironic. We do a lot of business with these microbreweries now. Because we have solutions for you know warehouse and transport and so on and picking and packing and production, 
But it's hard to see how they will all generate the the, the, the foothold or the critical mass to be be successful over time. Mm-hmm. But the existence of small microbreweries is here to stay. There's no doubt about yeah. it because people want options. They don't all want to be drinking the same bland product produced by multinationals. So yeah, I think it's great, I have to say. I think it's great as well. And I kind of almost always go out of my way as well now, especially if it's the local pub or the, or the supermarket to try and buy some kind of, you know, a local brewery, some, someone I've never heard of, kind of the, yeah. the smaller yeah. the better almost. Yeah, their offerings tend to be innovative and local. And it's good to support local businesses, that's for sure. Exactly, yeah. And it makes me feel better about my, you know, two uh, beers at the weekend then as well. Don't feel good. Yeah, I would, at looking at you, I don't <laughs> think you drink too much beer. You're super fit, Brian, super fit. <laughs> Going back to brand, possibly the first time I really became aware of AJ products was actually watching some rugby. You're a big rugby fan yourself. You have your brand out there at, at all the in the four provinces, if I'm not mistaken, the four Irish provinces you, you sponsor, you support them. Mm-hmm. We do. My background is sport, you know, all sports though, one of them being rugby. But when we started getting ambitious about building a brand, as I referred to earlier on, you know, how do we do that? The cost of entry can be extremely high when you use traditional media whether it be television, whether it be digital or print or anything like that. So we looked at an opportunity getting the brand out there. And the first thing is to establish the brand name. And then thereafter is to support the brand name, explain what that brand represents and build it in that fashion. But the interesting thing about rugby was, as opposed to the other sports, let's say soccer and Gaelic, is that rugby is on television. Local soccer is not on television. And the GAA is on television, but really it's around the, the, you know, the September period. But rugby offered an opportunity to get the brand on television six months a year, four times every weekend. We overlay that with targeted radio advertising, which explains what AJ products do. Very good, yeah. And you must must be pleased with the newly formed, I think, the United Rugby Championship and the the arrival of some heavyweight teams from South Africa now that's had to the... It's the amount of eyes and attention on yeah on the the games this season. Very much so, and the the Pro 14 or Pro 16 had two issues as an advertiser, and notwithstanding the the assets and virtues I just mentioned about being on all the time, as opposed to other sports, the competition was getting tired. Leinster winning every year, a bit boring, and the other thing was that the matches were not free to air. You had to have a subscription, BT Sport or Sky, or TG Cahar were the exception to that. That is free to wear. I used to watch them on TG Cahar. Yeah, Yeah, me too. And now this year, with the development of this new United Cup, all the games are now free to wear, which means the viewership is going to grow maybe five to 10 times. And that's great for our brand visibility. So we're delighted about that. Sure. Is your target only the, the Irish market? There's AJ are, are represented in, in other in other countries as well as well as the, the Swedish parents. I, I ask because I guess my, my own kind of business for a while and community has been workplace well-being Ireland, but with the podcast and with the the institute that has developed, I slowly want to not move away from Ireland. I want to continue to grow the, the Irish base, but I'd, I'd like to slowly step out into the UK into other markets. So I'm just curious to know if, if you're just purely focused on the Irish market. We have standalone subsidiaries throughout Europe. So there's AJ UK, and then there's AJ Finland, Norway, Denmark, Germany, Austria, Czech Republic, the 16 subsidiaries in Europe. 
Very good. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You've clearly got a, a busy schedule there yourself. How are you managing time yourself to to dedicate time to your own well being? Is is it, is it going, going to the games? <laughs> Personal well being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to say um, it's been this, the most stressful fifteen to eighteen months that I can remember. And after you know, with COVID, we also had Brexit, which was a massive problem for a lot of businesses in Ireland because we bring in some of our assortment from the UK manufacturers. And that was a massive problem for us. So it seems to be another supply chain issues. Getting products into the marketplace is difficult at the moment. So all of that you know, leads to a, quite a stressful scenario. But we've continued to invest in the business financially. We're building our headcount continually with uh, greater emphasis in terms of digital marketing, e-commerce, but also field service and customer service. So all of those things makes for an interesting work-life balance challenge. And <laughs> personally, I have I stopped going to the gym because, well, gyms are gyms, you know. Yeah. And in fact, I haven't been back, even though my gym is open now again. You know, I bought a bike and I do a lot of cycling at nighttime and at weekends. I make sure I take more breaks, uh, walk around, walk outside, and don't skip lunch, stop having lunch at my desk and things like that. You know, there's been a few applications, you know, taking holidays properly, trying to get a proper break from work. So those little things and reading more as well. Right. Try and stay away from screens out of office and, you know, not working at weekends and so on. I mean, I'm not uh, on social media a lot, in fact, at all. Uh, so I try and build, you know, the sort of, you know, mind wellness basic strategy. So m- move around a bit more, consume a little bit less <laughs> and less screens out, out of work because, you know, we're, we're all in front of our two screens, you know. So yeah, it's, it's been stressful. And I've done some of those basic measures in terms of my own well-being and so on. Very good. Yeah, it's a challenge without a doubt. I think an added challenge, if you like, is you're the MD here. It's it's your business effectively, and all these people reporting into you are, are you know, your responsibility effectively. You're not on social media, but how do you switch off from the business, or can you switch off from the business? I'm four or five years now into my own business, having been a you know an employee, if you like, and that's something I find really challenging. It was actually just switching off. From the business, even though it might be downtime, I mightn't actually be doing a whole lot of work at the weekend, but it's the mind still racing, yeah. you know, ideas, yeah. thoughts, what I have to focus on business wise, this kind of idea. Any tips in that regard, or how do you manage that yourself? It's very difficult because you're running your own business and, you know, I have responsibility for this business here in Ireland. And I think it's very difficult. And, you know, I always thought I was good strategically with business, but in this last 10 years or so, I've become a good micromanager. And the problem is that you micromanage too much. And, you know, you're not developing your colleagues, you're not developing the overall equity of personnel equity within the business. And that was something I had to be careful of. And I'm still trying to get better at. As the business gets bigger, you have to entrust, you have to empower and entrust people to do their jobs and to support them in a, in a positive way. So I, I still have difficulty to this day, but I have a lot of interest outside work. You know, not being able to travel has also been a problem because that's stimulating. But yeah, no, that's an ongoing project, I have to say. <laughs> uh, the old bike cycling was, has been tremendous because, you know, you're cycling around Dublin. You know, you've driven down this particular road or street for 15 years and then you cycle down and it's an entirely different experience. Yeah. Yeah. So and reading more. Right. Yeah. You know, literally reading more. Well, that's one thing I totally uh, dropped off, actually, the last 18 months is reading. I used to read quite a lot. 
And then I just, for whatever reason, I've just been focused on on work and I haven't, let, I haven't dropped the exercise, but I have just dropped off the reading. So that, that is something I need to get back into. Yeah, there are just a few of the things that I've, I've taken on board and I hope they, they seem to be working, but certainly my stress levels have diminished. That is a good sign. That is a good sign. So we're, we're both works in, in progress. as they Yeah. Say. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing about ergonomics, you know. I mean, the the origin of the two words, you know, ergo and nomos, is work rules or work laws from ancient Greek. Right. Yeah, ergo, ergon is work and nomos is rules or laws. And that has all changed now in the sense that it used to be that the employee has to fit the employer's setup. Now it's the other way around. The other way around, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, it is. And I think that's good. It builds for more loyalty and longevity and retention levels improve and so on. So as I mentioned before, it's not just the physical aspect of ergonomics that drive it's these things. It's it's a combination of the physical, biomechanical, psychological, and so on. And we are training some ergonomic assessors. Oh, very good. So that we will be able to offer a part of a portfolio of services to customers that we could come out and do an ergonomic assessment. And these are all new to us, but in the US and in Scandinavia, this has been happening for some time. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. I know some companies where that, that's kind of mandatory. Oh, yeah. And the big companies, you'll find in, in the FDI companies, all of this is uh, well-established. The health and safety department or the procurement department or HR department will have responsibility for well-being, but also for things like safe ergonomic assessments. Absolutely. Well, that's what I think it's one of the good things that has come from the last 18 months is just that kind of increased and renewed focus on, on well-being, on healthy and safe work environments, whether that's at home or, or in the workplace. So one of the positives to come out of the last 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, thanks so much for your time. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Well, ajproducts.ie is a good place to start. If you're a business and we operate both in the office and warehouse and manufacturing sector, you know, we, we have innovative things. If you're interested in a standing desk, we design and manufacture all our own desks. Not in the, the Swedish head office, is that where that comes from? Yes, it does. Yeah, that's where our design function, we own a factory in Poland. We own a factory in Poland. And that's where we manufacture all our desks and our pedestals and so on. So we have a unique proposition to offer. So that's ajproducts.ie and we're available on 24, not 24 seven, but you know, around the clock, if you will. <laughs> Just give us a call even. Yeah, we, uh, we have eight and a half thousand active customers in Ireland at the moment. We're driven to build that figure. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them and I'm, I'm a fan. So listen, Paul, thanks, thanks. thanks to you and the team again for your support for the, for the podcast. No, it's a great association for us. Thank you very much, Brian. Really appreciate it, Paul. Listen, all the best for the future. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Brian here again. A big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. This podcast has been brought to you with thanks to our partners, AJ Products, who are leading the way in ergonomic and active workplace furniture solutions at ajproducts.ie. Original music that you're hearing right now was composed by my friend, Greg Clifford. You can check out the website, workwellpodcast.com, where you can access show notes for each episode and also find all our previous episodes. I would love if you could head over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. A reminder, you can head to workwellinstitute.org 
to check out the education programs that we have on offer. You're welcome to share this episode with your friends and colleagues so they too can discover and benefit from the content. And finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear in the show, you can email me directly at brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode.